Hi, this is Dave Anderveen with the Kick Aspirational Podcast. You know, the Kick Aspirational Podcast is all about helping people break through barriers in their life and create the life they want. I think now that's more important than ever. I'm trying to do a series of podcasts around how people are dealing with COVID-19 crisis, this pandemic, how they're adapting and changing their lives, and, and also how they've been successful in the past and how they're bringing that into the future. Today, the, uh, the conversation with, with uh, Jim DeSico De <laughs> is really good. He's from Super Coffee. It's a brand owned by, started by Kitu, which is like the key to life. And it's all about positive energy and uh, <laughs> a lot of things that feel pretty, pretty familiar to me. But it's all about how he and his brothers, who are in their you know, mid-20s, created this amazing, one of the fastest growing beverage brands right now, uh, emerging brands in the country that, uh, that, that has, has really been transformative in their own lives as well as the people that they work with, first from a product and brand standpoint, but m more importantly, how they've made big decisions to leap and to create this life that they want rather than the one that, that they had. And they had some great things going on. They were college athletes, they went to great schools, and, and Jim, who was the first one to graduate, had a really good career with BlackRock, a, a great uh, private equity company. And I think the story about how they decided to change and transform is really interesting. Uh, one of the companies that I work with, RX3 Investments, it's a private equity firm with Aaron Rodgers and Nate Robbie and Byron Roth, is an investor in Kidu Coffee, Super Coffee. I want to disclose that. But, you know, I fell in love with the product using it. I'm not just saying that because we have money in it. I actually think it's one of the best coffee products I've ever had, both by the nutritional label, but also just on the taste. I drink their sweet cream creamer as a dessert. Um, I wanted to have a conversation with Jim because I think what they're doing is really special and the way they're growing is remarkable. Uh, but most importantly, the way they've created a culture and the way that they live deliberately is a good lesson for all of us right now. Jim says, he says, uh, <laughs> he quotes Mike Tyson, he says, everyone thinks they have a plan to make a punch in the face. And, and that's a great lesson for all of us as entrepreneurs. It's about what he calls not just being persistent, breaking through something, but having perseverance, doing it every day, every day, every day, fighting that resistance like we heard about from Aubrey Marcus in the War of Art, in, the, in, the, in this, this resistance from life that wants you to stop doing things when really what we need to do is probably be more dynamic than ever and put more effort out than ever. Uh, Jim also did us a great favor. If you want to try the product, uh, he gave us a 25% off code. You can use Kick Aspirational 25. I think it's the first time I've had a discount code. Uh, they're not sponsors of the podcast, but they are good friends. And uh, we really appreciate uh, him coming on today. And so if you want to try the, the, the Kitu Super Coffee, uh, buy it from their website. You can find them at Super Coffee or at Drink Super Coffee on Instagram. But uh, go to their website, Drink Super Coffee, and uh, use our, use our, our discount code, KICKASPIRATIONAL25, and try some of this for yourself. Enjoy the podcast. This is a great one. This is the Kick Aspirational days. Podcast. I'm Dave Anderveen. And today uh, we're going to be talking to Jimmy. Dece Jimmy, how do I say your last name? <laughs> I'm not great <laughs> at Italian. That's right. DeSico. DeSico. Good. I was going to say DeSico, but DeSico. De and uh, you're with Keto Life, uh, Keto Super Coffee. A lot of people may be familiar with these. I'm a huge fan. Little disclosure. Uh, I'm with RX3 as part of my work. And we are an investor in Kitu Super Coffee, right? That's that right. right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Super excited. Um, but, but your coffee is like, regardless of whether or not I was part of RX3, um, your coffee and particularly your creamer, and this is the vanilla one, but I'm just doing a little plug for you because I freaking love this stuff. Um, 
the sweet cream in particular, which I've already drank through, is unbelievably good. I had Connor from RX3 uh, dropped off some of the stuff for me. Uh, unbelievably delicious and no sugar, right? It's like zero sugar, MCT oil, and uh, and then you've got some protein in there. Can you tell us a little bit about the product? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for the support and the plug. Uh, so for us, we we wanted to drink bottled coffee, but everything out there had a lot of sugar and a lot of calories. And we believe like you don't need to sacrifice. There you go, drinking the creamer straight. <laughs> we believe that you do not need to sacrifice taste for health or health for taste. Like healthy things can taste good. So our, our products are all zero sugar. They're super low calorie. Um, our sweetener is monk fruit. Uh, so monk fruit is the sweetness comes from an antioxidant rather than carbs or sugar. And yeah. unlike stevia or erythritol, sugar, alcohol, there isn't really a, that bitter aftertaste with monk fruit. So you still get that same satisfying sweetness, but you get an energy lift as well. No, it's really good. You know, we actually distribute your uh, products in the, at New Age through our DSD distributor in Colorado, too. Uh, they're big fans of it. It sells, sells really well. So we do have a connection there. Um, and we, I was on your Instagram Live last week. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Yes, uh, sir. Do that back, Dude, thanks back for joining. Um, so I thought I'd kick off a little bit. Um, you know, you guys have been on Shark Tank, and uh, there's been a lot of talk about that. I think that was a big driver in your business. Uh, did you guys, uh, did your brand and business start on Shark Tank? Um, we, we went on Shark Tank 18 months after we founded the company. Uh, but up until that point, we had only done about half a million in revenue. So it was still a small, small business back then. And then Shark Tank was, uh, it was validating. You know, people see you, you go on national TV, you get that sort of Shark Tank stamp of approval. Uh, and it certainly helped the business. We've leaned into it. It's one of those things where like, not very many people see the episode the night that it airs in terms of like how many people are out there, but it's the gift that keeps on giving because there's re-airs. There's, uh, I mean, we talk about it in stores still, like we talk about it on podcasts two, two years later, you know? So uh, it's, uh, it's certainly, it was certainly validating. And, and I think now we've gotten big enough where we're no longer a Shark Tank brand, if you will. Yeah. I mean, you're quite a bit bigger and you've had a lot of success. How did you guys really start? Because it, it, there's three brothers that started this, right? There's your brother Jordan, there's Jake, and there's you. How did it actually start? Because you're all pretty young. I mean, how, how did, were you guys in school? What was going on? Yeah, yeah. So we started four years ago. 2016 was our first year in business. I'm the oldest of three brothers. Uh, and we, we were all student athletes. And Jordan, the youngest brother, was a freshman in college. He played, he played basketball down at Philadelphia University. I played football at Colgate. And Jake played football at Georgetown. And Jordan was falling asleep in class. He had, he had 5 a.m. workouts, late nights in the library. And, and his school store only offered the Starbucks Frappuccino that had 40 grams of sugar, 300 calories. He was like, dude, this makes me fall asleep. And, and I need something that wakes me up, but something that's good for me, tastes good. So that's how he started brewing it. And it wasn't, he never intended to start a business. He just needed something that got him through practice, got him through class, got him through the day. And it was organic coffee with protein, MCT oil, which is a healthy fat that our brain burns for fuel. Uh, and again, we sweetened it with this stuff called monk fruit and monk fruit's an all natural sweetener. The sweetness comes from antioxidants. Uh, and it worked so well for him that he started selling it to his teammates and his classmates and his coaches. And he called me and Jake, his two older brothers. And he said, Hey man, I'm, I'm dropping out of school to start this coffee company. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like basketball was this kid's life. You know, he was a full-time, uh, full scholarship basketball player, all conference point guard as a freshman. And, and, to give that up to start a coffee company that he knew nothing about was like, I mean, we knew he was serious and then Jake and I joined him partially. So he didn't mess up his life, but also because it was a, it was a cool opportunity. 
Tell me about that a little bit. I mean, you know, there's um, one of my, there's a, one of the books I really like is called, um, what's it called? When to Leap, I think it's called, but it's all about different entrepreneurs that have, you know, been playing with something, been toiling with something, been thinking about something, working on something. And then there's a point where you've got to be like, boom, I'm, I'm out, I'm doing this. Um, your brother did it first, right? So Jordan was the first one to leap. And he, he leapt from a full scholarship basketball program that he loved into this business. Can you tell me a little bit about how he made that decision? Yeah. And once, once he had a product that worked for him, his teammates saw his new energy. Like it, the, the efficacy was totally real. You know, he, he was no longer falling asleep. Like he had uh, more energy than ever. His, his, he was playing better on the court. And so his teammates were like, yo, can you make us some? So he just started making bigger batches and it clicked to him. He was making money every week, you know, selling it to his teammates. And it, it clicked. He was like, let me look at this opportunity. It's a two billion, the bottled coffee is a $2 billion category. This was back in 2016. $2 billion category. And that Starbucks Frappuccino did 90% of it that was doing 1.8 billion every single year. So Jordan was like, holy shit, there's a huge opportunity here for me to disrupt this age old category. Like he didn't invent bottled coffee. He just made right. it better. Uh, and he knew that if he was a full-time student athlete, the, the company would never work. Yeah. It, it, to your point, like you got to be fully in at a certain point. So before he went back for his sophomore year, he, he sort of called a family town hall and was like, look, guys, I'm, I'm making this decision. I'm going to pursue this thing. Uh, my parents reluctantly supported. Uh, and then Jake and I helped out. We were all in. And ignorance was truly bliss. You know, like if I knew then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have done it. Like I was, I was working in finance in New York City. And like we didn't know, we didn't know how hard it was which is why we were able to do what we did. Cause we just sort of, we'd run up into an obstacle and we'd, we'd sort of find a way around it or through it. So that's really interesting. I mean, I think, you know, um, Brent Willis, who's our CEO at, at new age, my boss, um, he hates it when I call him that, but I love to call him that. Um, you know, he, he gave us all a book recently called grit. That's all about perseverance, perseverance and resilience. And it talks about the fact that, you know, when you're looking at special forces or I think entrepreneurship or a lot of things where, you know, it's kind of hard to predict who's going to be successful. One of the big difference, big differentiators are people who just stick to it and don't quit and figure out ways through it. I mean, it sounds like you guys, one, you had perseverance. You'd already been athletes. You've broken through barriers in your life there. Um, and then you kind of just kept pushing through it. What are some of the, what are some of the bigger areas where you had to have grit, perseverance, where you were, had some major failure points that you had to figure out? What were some of the big, big lessons so far? Yeah, no, good. It's a good point. And, and one distinction I want to make is the, the difference between persistence and perseverance, because you definitely need both. And persistence is sort of directing all of your energy at one obstacle to overcome that obstacle. And I think in most people's lives, they can point to a moment where they were persistent to overcome a challenge, to solve a problem, that type of thing. Perseverance is doing that throughout the course of a career, you know, and that's the hard part, right? Like you can, you can muster up the courage and the energy to solve one solution, but can you do it every single day? And most businesses that fail or most startups where people give up is they lack that, that perseverance or that grit. And, and that's what Angela Duckworth talks about. So for us it, in the beginning, we were too small. So distributors wouldn't carry us because we didn't have stores to sell to, right? Like we talked to Brent probably back in 2017. He was like, look guys, you don't have any business in Colorado. I'm not going to take on your brand. <laughs> and uh, so, so distributors were too small. We were too small for distributors and we couldn't get into stores without distributors. So we were like, you know what? 
let's make delivery. Let's, let's just do this our, ourselves, right? If nobody's going to distribute our products and stores aren't going to carry us, we will be our own distributors. So for the first 18 months, we, Jake Jordan and I would wake up at four in the morning and we would deliver to stores around Georgetown University while Jake was finishing up his senior year. Uh, so we delivered, we got into Whole Foods, we got into some college campuses and we were the DSD, like we were our, our own distributor. So we overcame that solution. Like the fact that nobody wanted to work with us, we're like, let's, let's control what we can control. We, we bought a van and we started making deliveries. How, how big was your first run? Cause usually in beverages, I know you're in, you've got aluminum cans now. I know that, you know, this looks like it's a sleeve on it. So it's a smaller minimum. It's getting a little technical. I had an energy drink business for a long time excess, which was also positive energy. Um, but I, you know, I'm wondering like, you know, part of our challenge was 250,000 unit minimums when we're painting cans. How'd you guys handle minimums? How'd you raise money? Where, how'd you get started with that? Yeah. So we started out, I mean, it was the three of us making the stuff like this. We, uh, we were too small for co-packers, you know, we couldn't, we, we only had one or two stores. So like we couldn't get into, like we couldn't meet the minimum run size at any, any meaningful co-packer. So we, we had this place that had a hundred gallon kettle. We would brew a big batch of coffee with protein and MCT oil. We blend it up and we just pour it into bottles. So we would do like a thousand bottles uh, a run back then, which to us seemed like a lot. It would take 24 hours for us to make that much. But obviously, as you know, that's, that's nothing. Um, and then over the first two years, we, we got into one co-packer that was like small enough for us to get into. We, within six months, we graduated to another. And then by the end of our second year, really by the end of our first year, we, uh, we secured the co-packer that we're with now. And I mean, we're producing millions of bottles a month. And so, I mean, if I could summarize that, it sounds like Jordan basically was making it in his dorm room and got a kind of this eureka response from coaches, fellow teammates, other people in school, that turned into him saying, hey, this has legs. I want to, I'm actually going to do, I'm, gonna, I'm so serious about this. I'm going to quit school and go do this. He and Jake kind of got together. Was, was Jake in school at the time too, or was Jake out of school when they started? Yep. So Jake was heading into his senior football season at Georgetown. And I'm like, Jordan, Jordan was going to be a sophomore. Jake was like, look, guys, I'm six months away from a Georgetown degree. I'm not, I'm not dropping out. So uh, Jake, in Jake's credit, he did sacrifice most of his senior year, like parties and weekends to help us on the business, but he still stayed in school. So then they started kind of working with this and went into commercial. It sounds like you went into a commercial kitchen to make your first batches and to get to your, I mean, you say it doesn't sound like much, but when you're making it by hand, a thousand's a lot, right? Oh yeah, it was awful. 10,000 on a line. Yeah, no, we would, and and the, the the facility that we used, it was a Domino sugar factory. So all day long, these guys are just making bags and bags of sugar, which is like, we, we're totally against that. But the guy who owns the factory was like, look, you could come in. I got this kettle in the back. I got a bottling line. My last shift ends at 8 p.m. You can come in at 8 p.m. You just got to be gone by six in the morning. So all night long, we'd make the coffee. And at like one of us wouldn't sleep. Two of us would go to bed at like three or four in the morning. And we'd like rock, paper, scissors, shoot. One person at 4 a.m. would have to deliver the product that we made all night. So, it, I mean, it was the grind. We drank a ton of coffee. It's a good thing you're in the coffee business. That's Hell a great yeah. story. And what were you doing? So you graduated in 2015? Yep. So I graduated right when all this was happening. So the summer of 2015 is when Jordan made the decision to drop out of school. And I graduated in May. In June, I started as a financial analyst for the Blackstone Group. I was on like a, the commercial real estate division. Uh, and I did that for about three months before Jordan called me and said, hey, I'm dropping out of school. So I, I forfeited a full career pretty much on Wall Street. It wasn't my thing. But I mean, at three months, is, it was basically an internship at, at that point. 
Um, so I left and, and my boss was like, dude, are you kidding me? You know, like you're, you're giving up a, a great life here to, to go do this. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's, it's family. Uh, we didn't, I mean, we didn't know what a startup was. I, I had never heard that term. You know, Colgate was a liberal arts school. Uh, I studied philosophy and I, I, I played, I saw you were a philosophy major too. Um, but I played, uh, I played football in college. I, we didn't know what a startup was. You know, our mom worked at the YMCA. Our dad was a, in construction. So like, we were like, yeah, we're going to go sell coffee and we need a business plan. And like all of these things that we were sort of learning as we, as we went. So, so tell me about your parents because you guys seem like exceptional young men. Um, I mean, you all went to, you all play a lot of sports. It looks like it probably helps if your mom's at the Y. Um, but you also, you also all went to great schools. I mean, it sounds like academics was a good part of your upbringing. How did your parents raise you? What was the, what was the program there? How much credit do you give to your parents? Yeah, I mean, they, they deserve all of the credit. They're, they're young. So right now I'm 27, mom's 50, dad's 51. And uh, they both played Division One sports in college. And, and they were both sick athletes. They met at New Hampshire. Mom played two sports. Mom was an all-American soccer player and an all-American lacrosse player. She's oh, like, wow. right now she's five one, yeah, five one, a hundred pounds, just like a little tiny badass. Uh, and we grew up super competitive, but also very compassionate and kind, right? Those were the the, the main things that our, our parents instilled in us. And mom, mom would drop us off. I vividly remember this. She would drop us off to kindergarten and say, Jimmy go kick today's ass. And I look at her, I'd be like, yes, mommy. <laughs> yes, I got you. Uh, and so, I mean, super competitive, you know, we played every sport there was available to us, travel, baseball, basketball, football. Uh, and, and we wanted to win. Like we, we were undersized guys. So we, we worked really hard at it. And a lot of that work ethic came from both of our parents. I remember my, my first football practice, I was eight years old. My dad dropped me off. He said, no matter what you do today, be the first person to the water cooler. And I was like, I was like, what do you, what is, what does that mean? And his whole point was like, run to every drill, run, sprint to like out hustle everybody on the field. And that stuck with us throughout our, our lives. Um, and you mentioned academics, like I wouldn't have gotten into Colgate and Jake would not have gotten into Georgetown without football. So sports were a big part of our lives. That said, we were AB students throughout, throughout our, our careers in high school and in college. Uh, but we weren't academically gifted. I think we use sports as a means to an end to get the degrees we otherwise wouldn't have, you know. That's a familiar story. I like to joke about the fact that um, you know, I played soccer in college and uh, I studied philosophy, went to a liberal arts college, got kicked out. And I like to joke about the fact that, you know, I wasn't chosen by the right school or the right teams or the right professions. And I kind of had to choose myself because nobody else was going to give me the life I really wanted. That's something I had to make on my own. Do you guys, uh, I, I like the idea that your mom's talking about kicking ass. You guys have a positive energy product. Um, I think I'm the same age as your parents. That's um, what, uh, what kind of things, and when, when you guys are thinking through some of this and you're expanding your business today, how does that play a role in how you select employees, how you're bringing, creating a culture? You guys have a whole positive energy program that I think you put together. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about the culture and the people you're bringing in and how you're applying these lessons you've learned at home and you've built together as brothers into the rest of your organization? Totally. So, I mean, and you know this as well as I, anybody is, 
the, the, the brand is, is really a reflection of the people, right? So our brand represents positive energy. Our culture is work hard and be nice to people, you know, and that's something that we were taught from as long as we can remember. Our, our, our mom and dad would always sort of instill that into us, work hard and be nice. And that's what our, our brand is about. That's honestly, that, that's what our business plan has been. And when we interview people, at first we hired a lot of student athletes, you know, because to your point on grit, like this shit was hard, you know, you didn't need to be smart. You just needed to work your ass off. And, and that's, uh, that's always been the, the, the differentiator in, in our business is uh, we, we work harder than the competition. And today I say our, our team is our barrier to entry. So uh, it, now in the interview process, I mean, we're 85 full-time employees, we're 150 part-time. And when we interview a new candidate, we let them know, we're like, look, this is not a nine to five job. This is going to be the hardest you've ever worked. But at the same time, it's going to be the most fulfilling, the most rewarding. You're going to come home every night with a smile on your face, you know, and you're going to do it with the people that you love. Uh, and it's not for everybody. You know, a lot of, a, a lot of folks are like, whoa, I, like I want my weekends to myself or I want to, to spend time with my, my family. Uh, but the people who, who do, do get it and enjoy it are usually folks who played sports in college or, or uh, competed at, at some level. My college roommate was a Navy SEAL. And, uh, you know, when you're going through bud school, they have this bell the whole time. The whole point is ring the bell, man. It's right here. All you got to do is ring it. You don't have to be in, be a part of this team. And I think that right. uh, that mentality is really important when you're trying to build a culture and find the right people. Because at the end of the day, your company, your brand, your business, it's all about the people that are on that bus. Um, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So what's the role of sports? Um, you know, you, you talked a little bit about how it helps you break through barriers, the perseverance, the persistence. Um, what are your favorite sports today? What do you guys, do you guys play any sports still? Yeah, yeah. So Jake and I, every year we compete in a decathlon. It's like a charity, a charity decathlon. And it, it's cool. It's a combination of like you run a, do a 400 meter dash. There's a, a football toss and a bench press, press component. So like we like to stay competitive, um, especially in short distance stuff. Like you're not going to find me running a marathon anytime soon. Uh, but flag football, basketball, you know, we're, we, we want to stay active. Fitness is important to us. You know, it's a big part of our, our lives. You know, like we wouldn't be able to do what we do without, without fitness. I think it's kind of like this the adage of like give the work to the busiest person in the room. Like because we were moving so fast on the company, like our bodies need that same type of, of stimulation, both physical and, and mental. Um, so sports, it, not only has it taught us persistence and like doing hard shit that other people don't want to do, it taught us teamwork. You know, like we've all played team sports growing up. We were never on individual sports and like, uh, you can't win a football game with one good player, you know, it, and it's, it's sort of corny, but true. Like you're only as strong as your weakest link. So for us, we all help each other and, and we look to hire people who make everybody else around them better. Um, and I think that's what that's what the, the best players when you when you look at like iconic players like Kobe Bryant for instance was a phenomenal individual but he made the whole team better. Right. I think you could say the same thing for Aaron Rodgers at the Packers, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, big big Rodgers man. What a what a career he's had and, and shout out to Aaron. I don't know if uh, people know that he is one of the R's and RX three uh, and a super coffee investor alongside you. What's the uh, who, who's your favorite athlete? Um, that's a great question. And normally I have a, a quick, a quick answer to that. Uh, favorite athlete. Um, man, I, I like the, I like the versatile athlete. So like growing up was 
uh, like Bo Jackson, you know, the people who, who could play multiple sports, the people who are like super talented like that. I'd say, I would say right now, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, somebody who's just electrifying, somebody who's unexpected, you know, when he got drafted, they were like, dude, you're going to be a running back. And he goes on to be league MVP, win a Super Bowl. Uh, actually, he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, but someday. <laughs> who are your Who are your athlete investors? I think you guys have a pretty good roster of athlete investors, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So going back to some some legendary NFL guys like um, Boomer Esiason, play used to play quarterback for for the Giants, for the Browns, um, and uh, maybe the Bengals. Anyways, Boomer was was probably the one of our um, sort of legacy athletes. Aaron Rodgers and and folks at the RX3 fund. So Josh Allen is quarterback for the Bills. Sam Darnold from the Jets. Uh, Baron Davis, NBA All-Star, played for the Warriors, played for the Knicks, Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Baron's awesome, man. He's, he's really become one of our close friends. Uh, Forbes just did an article. I'll, I'll text you the article that Forbes did on, on Baron's investment in our company. Uh, and then other athletes, we, I would say, so Patrick Schwarzenegger doesn't really count as an athlete, but uh, he's big into the fitness scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys have, is, is Russell Westbrook one of your investors too? Yeah, so we're working on a, on a deal with Russell through Barron. So Barron's bringing okay. his guys in. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess, I mean, when, when is this podcast going to come out? Because we're in like live negotiations with a few other athletes. <laughs> uh, we can we can do whatever. It doesn't, it's up to you. Do you want to, you don't right. have to talk about people you're in negotiations with, but you've got a lot of interest from athletes and professional athletes right now, correct? Totally. Yeah. Because they, they see the story, they see where we come from and, and we sort of speak the same language as, as most athletes. Um, and, and they use their products for, for their sports. So uh, they use our products for their sports rather. So it's a, it's a natural fit with athletes. So when do you work out? You know, you're busy. You guys, I saw you start your day pretty early, like what, 4.30, 4, 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. When do you work out and what's your morning routine like to, to get your day really kicked off and to really own it? Yeah, man. And I wish I could tell you that like my alarm goes off at five. I'm at the gym at five 30. I'm meditating at six. Like every day is different for me. No two days are the same. And I like to wake up early. Um, usually five, five 30. If, if some mornings, if that doesn't happen, if I'm waking up at six, six 37, I'll usually just shower and get right to work. Uh, but I, I try and get workout in, in the morning. Uh, and some, some days it just doesn't work out that way. And, and I'll, you'll find me and the brothers working out at seven or 8 PM at night. Um, uh, so we try and get it in whenever we feel good. Uh, I, I think getting up and, and getting it in early is like a big win to start the day. Uh, so we, we try and do the hard things first and then, then get the rest of the day started afterwards. Nate Robbie, who's also at RX3 was wondering if you could help him with, with his wrestling. He and I got into a little wrestling match at Aaron's birthday this last year and he thinks he won. I'm pretty sure I did. It's unclear. Do you have any, do you and your brothers wrestle at all? Like <laughs> growing up? Oh yeah. Yeah. We used to have a lot of fights. Mom and dad used to be the, uh, the referees of all the fights. Uh, pretty bad, pretty bad fights. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, for, for Nate, I think, I don't know, man, like there's no, no rules when it comes to a fight, you know, poke the eyes, kick them in the balls, do whatever you got to do to win. <laughs> don't tell Nate that. He's going to fight me. Oh, that's okay. Um, that was kind of a funny question. I, I do have a serious question, though, on the backside of that. Um, you know, obviously, we're all in the middle of this pandemic right now. It's changed a lot of our lives. I think it's sort of creating a new reality for a lot of people right now. How is um, how's this, you know, this COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever we want to call it, how is this affecting your business and the way that you're working? Particularly, I know you guys do a lot of in-store demos and a lot of in-store work. How is this affecting and impacting your business? 
Yeah. So, I mean, really since things started changing with restrictions and shelter in place, work from home, probably a month ago now, uh, our rhetoric to the team has been, we cannot be preparing for a blizzard. We need to be preparing for a long winter, right? Because nobody knows how long this is going to last. And, and when it is over, it's not like things are going to go back to the way they used to be just like that. So it is a new normal. Um, I, I would never say that it's business as usual, but we're lucky to be in a protected industry. As you know, food and beverage distribution is a, a key part of the supply chain. And, and we are the men and women that are responsible for stocking shelves, you know? So for us, uh, our team is still in stores when and where it can be done safely, but they've, they've been instructed to, to help. So for instance, like with, with New Age Beverage, you guys carry dozens of brands. Uh, if, if our distributor rep or if our store managers are packing out seltzer or water or soup, or there it is, a little cold brew, um, we're, we're helping them do that. You know, Even though they're on the Super Coffee payroll and they work for Super Coffee, we need to help our partners do their jobs because everybody is spread thin right now. Um, so our, our work is, is continuing. Um, sometimes sales reps who, who may feel unsafe in stores are, are going in before stores open and after stores close to avoid, to avoid the crowds, but uh, still continue to do their jobs, get the orders and, and, and stock the shelves. So uh, we, we take it day by day. I mean, as you see, there's new information that comes out about this virus and, and about how, how different counties or communities are responding to it. So we do not want to make brash decisions. We want to make decisions as the information comes available to us. Are you guys, are you using like personal hygiene, social distancing, better sanitation or the practices that you're putting into how they're delivering and working that are different than maybe they were before? Totally, man. And it's, it's wild how fast it changes. So right now, all of our employees have masks, they have gloves. If they're going into stores, they stay six feet apart. Uh, like I said, most of them avoid busy hours of stores. So they'll go in when shoppers aren't there and they'll just help stock shelves. Uh, but it's crazy how fast things change. Two weeks ago, you, you'd be in a grocery store and you'd see maybe one or two people with a mask and be like, oh, those, look at those weirdos wearing their masks. Right. Now, if you go into a store and everybody's wearing a mask and if you're not wearing a mask, you're sort of the weirdo, you know? So right. like, it's, it's wild how fast people have reacted and sort of taken action against this, this virus. So if, if you're thinking about this, you know, this long winter and probably some fundamental changes to our world, uh, and I agree with that, by the way, I think, um, you know, it's unclear when this is going to change and when it's going to get better, um, or when we're going to be able to go back to any sort of normal existence. Uh, you know, a lot of things that we're seeing in our business are people are using virtual meetings, just like today, we're using a Zoom, a Zoom meeting to do this because we can't get together physically to do it, you know, or they're using more social tools. If you were in college today, or if you know, you're, you're talking to your brothers in college, if you're looking back in the 2013 to 15 you know, selves that you were, what kind of advice would you give to kids in college today who are like, geez, I don't even know how to go to school anymore, uh, let alone what my work future is going to be? What sort of things would you, uh, would you suggest right now? Yeah, so it's, it's funny how, how things change, you know, and we talked about this on, the, on our uh, Instagram Live last week with you, is like people think that, that that busy hustle, go, 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 is something that they have to do. And now that our society has shut down, it's clear that that is not the life that you have to live. I think we all sort of get stuck in, in the rat race, especially when you're building the business. But for the college students, I would say this is the time when, when we all have something that we, we keep pushing off until we have more time. 
Well, guess what? That time is now, right? We all have more time to do that thing, whether it's meditate or lose some weight or get in the weight room or write that book or do whatever it is that we haven't had time to do. We have that time right now. So what kind of person are you to like, ask yourself like the stuff that you've been putting off, will you, are you, are you taking advantage of it? Because if you're not doing it now, then you're, you're probably never going to get it done. So I would say this is a time, this, this is separation season. You know, a lot of people are sitting at home, turning on Netflix and taking advantage of this time off. Uh, few people are, are doubling down and taking advantage of this free time that they have on their hands, whether they're starting a company or, or getting those extra reps in while their competitors are not. Uh, so I, I would say use this time to your advantage to create that, that competitive edge. Yeah, I mean, it seems like living deliberately is more important than ever, and and having a plan is more important than ever. Taking action. One of the things you talk about, I've I've seen you talk about, is that in your mornings when you get started, you have this um, this practice of either prayer, or meditation. But you said you kind of hit your knees, even though you're not terribly religious, um, and you really you want to practice this being grateful for the things that you can be grateful for. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, man. And, and uh, again, you and I hit this last week. I, I love that you have your gratitude practice as well. But it's something that I, I think when you express gratitude, when it's the first thing you do, uh, one, it's simple, right? It only takes a minute or two to, to hit your knees. And, and as soon as you get out of bed, right? No excuse. You're not, you don't have to pray to any gods. You don't need to recite any prayers. It could be something as simple as thank you so much for that, that great night's sleep that I got. Or thank you for that interaction I had yesterday with that partner. That, that was really fulfilling, made me feel good. Right. Or thank you for my mom and dad, you know, thank you for that, that meal that I have. Or thank you for that cup of coffee that I smell brewing downstairs right now. So I think once you express that gratitude, it really sets the intention for, for the rest of your day and, and you approach things from a positive perspective. Um, and it's not as demanding as sitting down to meditate for 20 minutes. Like I, I love to meditate for 20 minutes, but not every day do I do it. Uh, and, and same deal, like not every day do I make it to the gym for an hour. So uh, the gratitude practice is one one good way that I like to start the day. It's it's it is very simple. That and making my bed. Those are the two things that are non-negotiable. <laughs> you start your day making your bed. So and and, and why is that? Uh, it starts. It, I, I've completed a task. You know, if if nothing else after that point happens, I've, I've I've completed a task. And at the end of the day, whether it's a good day or a bad day, I come back to a nice made made bed. Um, so I think it's it it again sort of sets this intention of like. Today is a day where I'm going to get shit done. You know, I made my bed. I said my gratitude. What's next? Like, what, what do I, what's coming at me next? Let me go get it. It's starting the day with some achievable tasks that you can complete, document. You're like, boom, got a couple things done. Now I'm off to the races. I think those are, those are great practices. Are you and your brothers grateful for your college education? I, I get into some discussions with people, some entrepreneurs who've gone to college, some haven't. Danica Patrick, you know, is really successful as a race car driver. She has a great podcast, uh, pretty intense. She was on mine. Good friend. She hasn't gone to college. And, you know, I think she has opinions about the role of college. It's expensive. Um, is it worth it? You study philosophy. I study philosophy. Tell me a little bit about college, the, the value. You know, where was it valuable? Where in today's world do you think it's more or less valuable? And how do you how do you and your brothers kind of view higher education today? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, Jake and I, my middle brother and I are, are people who graduated from two, two good schools with, with degrees. And Jordan, the founder of our company, doesn't have a degree, you know, so I think it's a great contrast right in the family. Uh, for me, as coming out of high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I liked football and I wanted to play football in college, but I didn't know, like, I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a musician or any of those things. So like, 
I, college is a great place to, to learn more about yourself, you know, and, and uh, I think it's a great time, like during the college summers to do internships, to figure out what you like and what you don't like or what your skills are uh, in, in the real world. And then the, the second piece of college, I mean, even as a 22 year old, after four years of college, I still didn't know what I wanted to do or be after the fact. But philosophy was something that I found transferable to every situation in my life, you know, how to how to construct a good argument, how to how to dissect an argument, right? If you feel that somebody's bullshitting you, uh, how to how to think critically. Uh, and those were all skills, even though they were general, general skills, they're all skills that can be applied to anything. So I wasn't limited, like I wasn't an accounting major, not that there's anything wrong with that. I wasn't a, a lawyer or a doctor or any of these things. I wasn't, I wasn't committed to something that I wasn't sure of, right? I, I'd rather had this skill set that I could apply. And believe it or not, I mean, I think philosophy was the best preparation for business that, that any, anybody could have asked for because I, I use it every day. I think, you know, there's some really good books about being a great generalist um, in, in today's world. Uh, my wife and I favor the liberal arts education that Thomas Jefferson started that's become popular in America for that reason. I, you know, and I think to your point, you don't go to college because you're looking for a specific job necessarily. I think that's a, probably the wrong reason to go. Um, but it's it's going so that you can learn how to think and apply critical thought and uh and learn how to make better decisions. That's really the, the ultimate value there, especially when we're forming our brains still at that age, if you can afford it and if you can figure out a good place to go. I think those are, those are all good reasons. Do you still read philosophy today? Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, I actually read more philosophy today than I did when I was in school. It's, it, there's something about when, things, when you're told what to do or, or things that you're assigned, you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. But now that I don't have to do anything, I actually do more of it. And, and the philosophy that I subscribe to most particularly today is uh, uh, stoicism. And oh, yeah. it's this idea of, yeah, tempering your emotions and, and uh, not getting too excited, not getting too down and, and really being able to, to control your, your mental control, your attitude when faced with adversity. Um, and it's, it's amazing that these ancient like philosophies are so relevant today. Guys like Marcus Aurelius or Seneca. I was going to ask about Marcus Aurelius. Are you reading like Roman, Roman Stoicism? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a great author, a great modern author named Ryan Holiday. Uh, he writes a lot of good books that sort of, it's a contemporary stoicism, right? He, he draws on Marcus Aurelius, who was a, a Roman emperor, or Epictetus, who was a former slave, right? These, these works of, these philosophical works are from 2000 years ago, you know, and the, the lessons or, or sort of the, the goals of these are so, so relevant today in these crazy sort of technolo technological times that, that we find ourselves in. Yeah, I love, I love Ryan Holiday. He's a great author um, in a lot of ways. But uh, Stoicism is one of the most utilitarian philosophies I think we have today. It's really useful, really helpful. Um, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge, I still read quite a bit. You know, that's funny, my older son, he's about your age, he's 26. He's in a graduate literature program now. But he, uh, he studied literature at Canyon and, and loved literature. And he's really good at it. He reads philosophy for fun, which I was always, I'm like, okay, I study philosophy. I read literature for fun. You study literature, you're reading philosophy for fun. Maybe we should have switched majors. I don't know. But I think as we get older, <laughs> we, we find our place, right? Um, totally. So do you, um, as we're kind of thinking through this, you know, we're thinking through the new world and, and the role of kind of, I think, forming our minds, living deliberately, um, what college students are probably thinking about today. If you're going to give some advice to entrepreneurs or people who wanted to be entrepreneurs, people who wanted to make a leap, 
what sort of advice would you give them in terms of kind of what to do next? You know, they've got an idea, maybe they've been testing it. How do you know when to make that jump, particularly in this environment? Yeah. So you, you touched on it earlier. You got to take action, right? You cannot remain idle. Take action. I promise you, you will never be ready to become an entrepreneur. I'm still not ready. And, and that said, so there is no right time. It's not like you're going to grad school and get your MBA and then all of a sudden you're going to be ready to start your company, right? Or you're going to finish this perfect business plan and, and then you're going to be ready. You're going to raise your seed round and then you're going to be ready. You will never be ready to start your company. So I think take action, move it forward, move it in the right direction. And if you find that you're not motivated, then maybe it is not your purpose or maybe it is not your, your true passion. But the only way you find out is, is by taking action and, and bringing something to life. Like the product that we launched back in 2016, was a piece of shit. The, the label was terrible. The product didn't taste good, you know, but we launched it. We learned, we sold a lot of it and, and we listened to our customers. We made the improvements. We made the tweaks and had we never started, we would have never gotten that feedback and gotten to where we are today. So I think take action. Do not sit idle. Uh, Mike Tyson has a great quote. He's like, Every, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So that business plan that you've been working on, I promise you, everything's going to change once you bring it to the world, right? Like once you bring it out to customers, once you start selling something, everything that you think is, is going to happen is going to be different. So, um, but the only, there's only one way to find out, go do it. Yeah. That was my, in the late nineties when I was doing a large startup and uh, I was really dealing with more banks and investors. The thing that drove me crazy was, you know, I already knew from other ventures that, you know, you have a plan it's going to change why people are the most important thing because can the people change be resilient and, and break through the resistance um but you'd meet these young younger kind of mba graduates who really didn't have much experience and they're like yeah but my spreadsheet says and i'm like <laughs> throw that shit away we, we're right. gonna figure out a new spreadsheet right now because we got to make this work and i think uh i think it's it's obviously you got to have a plan and great planning will help you a lot through the process but you have to be flexible and because the environment's going to be dynamic. I think that's all really, really strong sage advice. And it's great to hear it from, you know, somebody still in their twenties who's been, been busting down doors, making this happen for so long. Where can we, uh, where can we find uh, super coffee, super creamer, super espresso, all the key to life products that you offer? Yeah. So uh, right now we're, we're in stores nationwide. Um, I think the national banners that are probably most recognizable are, um, Target, we're in, in Walmart, uh, CVS, you can find us out in California, Ralph's, Sprouts, Gelson's, uh, but we're certainly available on Amazon and then drinksupercoffee.com as well. Awesome. Are there any, uh, are there any special codes for, for fans of Super Coffee? Oh yeah. Kick Aspirational 25 is good for 25% off our website. So uh, share that with all your listeners, anybody who, who's interested, kick aspirational 25. Uh, that'll get you 25% off your order. Awesome. Thanks so much today, Jimmy. Appreciate your time. Love to stay in touch. I really like your, I love your products. I use them. Uh, I've, I've been a fan for a while and uh, I'm becoming a bigger fan. I just discovered the creamer and uh, they do make fantastic white Russians, AKA Caucasians big Lebowski fans. Thank you a ton. And uh, let's stay in touch, Jimmy. Appreciate you it. You got it, brother. Cheers, man. Yep. Cheers. See you soon. <laughs> Cheers.